Thank you for listening to this podcast produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. My name is Rebecca Evans and I am the Gallery's Curator of Decorative Arts. In this conversation, I'll chat with Catherine Truman in the last few weeks of her exhibition here at the Gallery. We'll be talking about the show, contemporary jewellery and curating. So you've just come back from Melbourne, judging the Fanaki Award. The most amazing experience. Really? I think I learnt more about contemporary jewellery in one day than I have Mm. in 30-something years. How is that possible? (laughs) Well, because lately I've been calling myself a bad jeweller and everybody goes, no, you can't call yourself a bad jeweller, you've been doing it for so long. So bad at being a jeweller or just being a jeweller and being bad? Um, (laughs) Or both? Well, you know, I think it's about... um, I often say that, you know, I make work... And then I look at it and I go, that would be really beautiful to have very close to the body. I'll put a brooch back on it or I'll make it into a, a neck piece. Mm. And that, that's a quite a different approach than considering the body from the word go. However, I've been making it for so long, I probably do have all that inside me, that sub, the subconscious kind of idea about the body whilst I'm thinking about the objects I'm making. But this time, it was the first time that we... Uh, so I work with Kate Rhodes and Simone Le Amon from the NGV. And we, we didn't know each other very well, so it's like going on this massive overseas trip having not met each other. Fun, fun. And having to really work closely together and, and go on all these amazing tours of the world um, because the work represented... I think it was about 16 countries, 35 works. It's fantastic that they can draw from, you know, international jewellers to that um, prize in in Melbourne. uh, the first... I mean, um, Katie Scott and uh, Chloe Power had to select from a pool of about 400... Over 400 works. Gosh. Now, photographs. I don't know how they do that. (laughs) From an astonishing amount of countries. Mm. Like... I can't remember how many, but it was over 30. And um, so they pared it down. So we had... It was like... It was honestly like going around the world in a very small room. And we it just a started... a tiny gallery, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> gallery it's a very Nike. small yes. gallery. That you could call intimate, definitely. <laughs> um, and we started looking at the emerging category first and then we moved on to the established category. Mm. And we had a kind of finite time, which, of course, we went over time... Um, but we didn't even really discuss how we were going to do it. It just, it just kind of evolved. So we started off with the emerging category. Um, we had the name of the person, so it wasn't a blind judging or anything. We had the materials, we had the title, and we had... S- most people put in a statement. Some didn't. And so we read that first, and then we looked at the piece without touching it, that must be really hard. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, of course, we all picked the piece up individually. Mm. And then did each you put, of us... Did you put the pieces on? Yes. Of each course. of us put the piece on. <laughs> so it was the act of... There were lots of layers of it, like, you know, reading about it and seeing if the text matched the work. And sometimes it did and mostly it didn't. And, um, and either disregarding it or holding that sort of closely while you looked at the work. Then looking at the work and thinking... It's an image. <clears throat> it, it looked like an image more than anything else. So contemplating the aesthetics of it without touching and then touching it. And I tended to close my eyes automatically. 
and feeling the weight, looking at the material, whether you treated it like it was a fragile piece or it was a mm -hmm. robust piece. And then actually putting it on. So, of course, looking at the brooch bags, <laughs> looking at all the findings, or if they didn't, just putting it over your neck. A lot mm -hmm. of um, brooches, only, only two people put sets of rings in and um, a lot of neck pieces. Yeah. And all uh, an interesting size, like if you stretched out your, the distance between your forefinger and the, the tip of your forefinger and your thumb, stretched out, that was normally the size of the brooch <laughs> or the piece. Yeah, the, quite the large. Object. Yeah. About that size is, I don't know, fashionable now. Mm. And then we put it on, each put it on. It either made a sound or it didn't. And it was either easy to put on or it wasn't. And so we looked at each other with the pieces on. So it was not only the experience of having it on your body, feeling the weight, hearing the sound, feeling the materials, looking at the, the actual function of it, whether mm. it was functional or not. I wish I was a fly on the wall for this. And then we walked around the gallery with the, with the pieces on <laughs> to see them in movement because yeah, that's a whole fantastic. other thing. And then we took them off. And by that time, and we discussed every little moment of that time, <laughs> by that time we really felt we needed each piece. So that's why it took a long time. Yeah, gosh, that's really interesting. And that's why I'm saying I... I learned so much because it wasn't only from my perspective as a maker, but it was a curator's perspective uh, and a designer's perspective. Um, and, and from people who wear a lot of jewellery, uh, Kate Rhodes only wears, from, from my experience now, isanyaki clothing. And she was decked out, you know, neck to... But practically the floor wow. in Isamiyaki. And um, every single thing that she put on looked fabulous. <laughs> Something about that <laughs> Japanese asashik, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Suitable and for wearing And it has to be on jewelry. the right body those, yeah. for those pleats to hang the, the way they're intended or to move the way they're intended, I think. Mm. And Simone was very much about, how does it feel when I put it on? Does it enhance me in, in some way or... Uh, can I learn something about it through, through putting it on? And my approach was totally <laughs> going into the senses, mm. uh, touching it, looking at how it was made, yeah. listening to the materials. And, um, and so I learned heaps from those two people. Yeah, it's really interesting because when a piece of contemporary jewellery comes into the gallery... You know, people don't have those opportunities. I mean, they're, they're wearable sculptures and that tactile, you know, feeling it. And what we, it's completely gone. Everything's almost entirely behind glass. And if they do pick up the pieces, it's you feel a bit nervous about yes, it. And, yeah. and I know that in, in your show um, in Gallery 9, every morning I come in, and I think you've had to do this a few times, especially around the lab shelves. People <laughs> are just so intrigued by it, the materiality of the pieces that they pick them up, look at them, yeah. and yeah, you're not supposed to do that, but it's not it's because... Like a, it's kind of a, it's, it's like a crime they're, they're committing <laughs> in, you know, a state gallery that they're actually cross that boundary yeah, it's line. Hilarious. And that's, <laughs> on one hand, I, I think it's very thrilling and I'm really glad they've done it. <laughs> to a certain level. On the other hand, I think, oh, my God, that would take a lot of nerve. Well, you know, it comes from a good place, I think. They're just really intrigued. 
Um, and I mm. loved at um, Kath Inglis's show at uh, Worth Gallery on Friday night for the opening, how you could, um, they were all, the, all the works, all the necklaces were pinned to the wall, but they all had that... Um, steel cable. Steel cable them. attached to them, so you could actually pull them off and, yeah. and try them on, but obviously not walk off with them, <laughs> yes. um, which was really lovely. It was just yeah. a really elegant way of doing that. I loved it. Yeah, it's beautiful. It, it, certainly that cable, I mean, it's a thing we've done from, I don't know, maybe the 80s we've done that mm. kind of thing. Um, worked out, trying to work out ways, particularly in the early 80s, how people could actually touch the, the works in a situation that normally doesn't allow for that. Um, and you have to be very careful with it because if the cable's too strong and too heavy and, it, and there's a really big weight at the other end, it's, you're fighting with it. So it's mm. not quite an authentic experience, but Kath thought that through. Very, very light cable yeah. and uh, yes, no, it's a beautiful show. I remember when, um, thinking back, Fanaki Awards, Sarah Johnson, who I love her work, and she's, I love it. She says she won the emerging category, yeah. and I saw that, I went, yes, that's exactly <laughs> how I feel about her work. Yeah. At um, the Craft Victoria show, the beginning of the year, my instinct was like, I just want to touch. And then they'll say, don't touch, don't touch. Yeah. But her work, you know, has such a weight to it. It's, it's so extraordinary heavy. piece of work. Mm. Um, and I, of course, related it to some of my work that I'd Carving, done. Actually, yes. twisted, a twisted black kind of, almost like a bracelet form, only much smaller, but carved in stone, hollow. Um, and uh, it's almost like you got a piece of paper and twisted it and then made it fit around your arm. Quite, quite interesting work, but, and so surprising. Um, when I first looked at it, I... I have to admit that my heart didn't go with it. I just really? I felt like it was such a tr traditional garland or neck piece shape that I, that I wanted something more. And also I met, I kind of my brain was saying no that I didn't know what the material was. I kind of knew in the back of my head having discussed it with you uh, much much earlier. But I didn't put two and two together. I was just in the experience. I looked at it and I thought is that rubber or is it paper all. And uh, then when I picked it up, I was transported somewhere else. I read the statement and again I have to admit I just could not connect the statement with the work. So I had to put that aside and I had to have my own experience. When I picked it up and it started to make the sound of, of well, first of all, there was the weight and the coldness of the stone. That was a shock. Mm -hmm. And then um, the sound was like walking on pebbles on a beach. On, and it took me to a beach of jagged rocks in Kangaroo Island, a really, really rugged bit of the coastline. Mm -hmm. and, and then when I put it on, the weight hit my chest, like hit my heart, bam. And I said, synthetic this onyx, is fantastic. It? It's black onyx. Yeah, beautiful work. Very beautiful work. And the most exciting thing to think about is an emerging, an emerging jeweller. Mm. Where is she going to go next? It's very exciting. You know, when I first saw her work at that show, my instinct was, She's carving a really rigid material. Mm. Oh, she needs to talk to Catherine. <laughs> Just because thinking about your experience with carving, I thought, yeah. oh my goodness, is she? <laughs> well, it was hard not to go there, obviously, yes, thinking yeah. about <laughs> the experience of, of making the work. But, but you also um, went to a lot of other places when you um, when you held it in your hand and the, 
the stone warmed up in your hands and then warmed up on your body and, and watching other people mm. deal with it because it was a thing that you had to deal with. It wasn't exactly light to just sort of throw on. And um, their encounters um, informed me a lot about the work. So I guess, you know, that's what I'm saying, that, I, that it taught me a lot. Each piece taught me an incredible amount mm. about the experience of the work. And it, so it's interesting talking to you now about having my work in Gallery 9 in <laughs> the Art Gallery of South Australia yes. because we did discuss this a lot, didn't we, about um, the proximity of the audience to the work and whether there was going to be some mediation layer between the two. Yeah. And we all, you know, agreed that it would be so beautiful not to have to do that. And yes, wonderful if people touch the work. And yes, they are, but they're not meant to. <laughs> Look, you know, I just have this thing. I, I hate the idea. A lot of, you know, my collecting area um, are objects. And a lot of the time, well, traditionally, they're in showcases. And in showcases where the audience hunch over and look down on my collection. And I really hate that. I want people to be standing upright, you know, which is the best for breathing, and also be able to see them, see jewellery, with, you know, most of the pieces, um, you know, a number of the pieces in the show are brooches and jewellery. I want them to have that relationship to the body. And um, I was thinking about that a lot when I put the Vernon Roberts mm. display in. Well, that shows. Yeah, yeah. And I think I was quite inspired by by your show and the, w the way, you know, we, ha we hung that, to have as much work on open display mm. so people can get the full experience and yeah. also having it vertical. So that sort of relationship with a traditional contemporary hang, contem contemporary art hang, it is a light space, they're all vertical, and also we don't do showcases as well. So uh, yeah. I, I was quite mindful of that. Well, you know, Rebecca, I think that's really, really important. I think that's... Um, it's very exciting hearing you talk like that because, you know, you, you're a new curator in this institution. Baby curator. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about baby, but... That's uh, because I, I wouldn't say that because, um, because your views about it are fresh and uh, open. I think that's just what we need. Oh, thank you. I really do. I believe that very strongly. It's not that you... You're not putting any barriers in the way. L literally. You're just, yeah, you're leaping over the hurdles that are here. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there are always hurdles with contemporary jewellery. There's always hurdles with handmade work that um, has to do so intimately with the body, mm. um, whether that be, uh, you know... I guess I'm talking about the C word, aren't I, craft? But See, I was um, wondering what you're going to say then. <laughs> <laughs> Some people call it that. Too. Yes, yes, too um, funny. But I, I, I'm not, and I'm really enthusiastic about um, continuing discussions with you about mm. that and and mm. broadening thinking because you know here I am. You know, it's like over 30 years of practice, and I I, I honestly feel like it's kind of. I need a second day in my studio. That's fantastic. I'm <laughs> so excited um, to be able to be open and learn more each time I, I kind of open myself up to a new experience. If you do that, then you're going to learn. And, um, and to also think that, yeah, there are lots of... We've gone through a lot of cycles of fashion, you know, and you would know that very well, mm. being very close to... Um, Fashion, wearable fashion, textile, yeah, absolutely. clothing. and um, We have been through a lot of cycles and sometimes 
I look at works and I think, yeah, what do, what have they added to the the discourse that's there already? Perhaps not much. Perhaps they've added an individual voice, which is really exciting. And then perhaps they've taken the tenets of that tradition much, much further. Mm, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. I think that... I just always feel like there's so much potential for contemporary jewellery that just hasn't been tapped into. You know, why aren't there more collaborations between fashion designers and contemporary jewellers? Mm. Um, you know, there's some very natural collaborations that should have been happening for many years. Mm. I think we... Um, you know, thinking about that for the fashion festival and how that can kind of be linked together here in Adelaide. Uh, it's just, it just surprises me, you know. I feel there's like... There's a lot of potential. There's so much potential, yeah. yeah. And, I'd, you know, we often in the industry want to categorise work. Is it art? Is it design? Is it mm. highly conceptual? Is it about the making? Is it about the process? And I think that they can get in the way of... Oh, look, I get really frustrated. <laughs> I've always been really frustrated, yeah. but right from the word go, I must admit, even as a child, and it gets in the way of enjoying uh, whatever it is that you enjoy. You know, it's actually finding that out is the most important thing, um, opening yourself up to, um, to kind of new experiences rather than trying to immediately categorise something. Um, you know, I mean, I've worked with scientists whose job it is to name things and categorise taxonomists. And I can see the value in that. I can see what you can learn, which is extraordinary. But um, in the field that we're in, uh, well, it's, it's multi-layered and we must approach it like that. And it's hard when you're in an institution to do that because you're constantly asked to categorise things. Well, yes, and, you know, we literally have walls between the curators where yes. this person looks after that and that person looks after this. But, you know, I think for us here, the Art Gallery of South Australia, we actually are such a small team that we can't afford not to work together. Excellent. That's which is, what Adelaide's all about. Which is really... <laughs> it's so true, it's so true. And, you know, for me, I always say, um, you know, perhaps... Uh, we haven't kept up with the different fashions in what a cura curatorial department should look like. Um, the front of house, like the, the presentation of the gallery is world class, but we're a little bit more traditional, you know, behind the scenes mm. in, our, in our structure, um, which is great because it means that we haven't expanded into these little niche fashionable, you know, curatorial areas that have taken on, you know, life of their own. And so we kind of just do work well together. You kind of have to communicate. Yeah, and it's such yeah. a small team. It's wonderful. And yeah. yeah. Um, also, I really like my colleagues. So I think that... That makes a difference. <laughs> it makes a lot of difference, doesn't it? So I think that, you know, those sort of divisions uh, are less visible in this institution yeah. than others, I feel. I, I, I believe what you're saying. Mm. Um, and I believe it uh, of, I guess... How many the last five years or something of this institution? I wouldn't have said that, you know, forever. That I've been the time that I've been involved in the gallery right sure, from when sure. I was a child, mm. um, and and being in Adelaide, I've been involved in the kind of politics that have gone on the Adelaide Festival yeah. and is part of been part of my life and um, and the art gallery. Mm. Not from a person who's been employed in those areas, but a, a an audience member. Sure. Um, I'd love to go back to that, um, the collaborations that you were talking about yeah. between 
uh, fashion designers and jewellers, and I'd like to expand your mind a bit more. My expand my mind. <laughs> oh, look, I was reading an article the other day about brands and artists who remain completely nameless for this purpose, um, who have been ripping off, you know, uh, maybe not, I wouldn't describe them as a contemporary jeweller, maybe they are definitely contemporary designers working mm -hmm. in the area of jewellery, so a little bit more commercial than what we would see people coming out of the jam or out of Grey Street, for example. But a big name Australian fashion company just lifting designs. And I mm. thought, and, and the jeweler was saying, or the designer was saying, but there's, I would, I would collaborate. And I'm just, I'm so curious on why that has not happened. And I think, gosh, you know, I, the aesthetic, you know, yeah. it could be some, just matched so perfectly. And it was in this case, just not done particularly honorably. <laughs> But, um, yeah, why? It's really interesting because of the different layers uh, or the different directions that uh, uh, fashion designers and uh, jewellery designers and, um, take. Uh, I guess if you think about the conceptual weight of a piece against the aesthetic weight of a piece, sometimes people don't put the two together, but it can work so well. And it's like if you're a, uh, a person who makes jewellery that is... Politic politically loaded, um, then what a better exhibition shouting space than a body <laughs> in movement. Absolutely. Incredibly absolutely. exciting. Yeah. I love, you know, I'm a big fan of Romance Was Born and I've been acquiring their work or the powerhouse for a number of years. And they do excellent collaborations with the contemporary art world. I think they're more or less making their way through Rosalind Oxley's artists <laughs> at the moment because they've done... Sarah Contos and Del Catherine oh, Barton. I'd and like Mel. to see Fiona Hall. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> goodness. Oh, my goodness. The potential yeah. um, is phenomenal. So that happens and historically it's happened, you know, for centuries, mm. designers and, and artists working together. But in the, I'm going to say the craft world, the design world, the non-contemporary art, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know why that hasn't quite happened. Look, it has actually, and has it, it has, um, it, particularly through um, the Crafts Council of South Australia now, Guildhouse have often had programs where they've put um, craftspeople with industrial designers and all sorts of other people from other disciplines. Um, but fashion? Uh, Fashion, not particularly, not that I really recall, but I'm thinking also as we're talking um, about the the fact that, you know, when the jam factory first started, they did have a, a textiles workshop and yeah. there was a big connection um, with fashion mm. when Jennifer Lather was mm. um, was actually heading up the workshop there. Yeah, most instance. schools in, in the country have gotten rid of the weaving. Yeah. But exciting gone. to hear that there's a textiles workshop starting up here. Yes, in Peary Street, isn't there? Really? Or a fa a really? I think so. Wow. My goodness. I have to it's look like my that Facebook page. It's, so, it's so interesting, you know, that loss of skill, loss of facilities. You know, give it a couple of years and then people are scrambling to bring them back Absolutely. again. Absolutely. Really powerful. Mm. Um, you know, very a private enterprise is, is going to have to come to the fore. Absolutely. I don't know what's happening to the universities, but yeah. they're not listening. Yeah. They're not listening. But the other thing that I was wondering about, because I've worked with a very diverse range of people, um, I think it would be really exciting, I was going to say super exciting, <laughs> um, to put together uh, 
say, a jeweller with, you know, maybe a scientist of some sort, and ask them to imagine and develop something outside of each person's practice, like a garment, together. So they don't, they, I mean, it, particularly a contemporary jeweller like me who, who hasn't really considered fashion at all. Um, I don't believe that. Uh, I haven't. I have to be honest. Really? Yeah, I'd have to say that it, it's come, the work comes from a, um, a very personal voice about interest in um, things other than... I, I guess I'm more close to the body, like literally the flesh yeah. and bones of the body. Yeah, sure. Uh, so it's the internalising out. Yes. And it may happen to be worn on the body yeah. rather I than the other way I've in. I've thought of making the body into a garment itself and that's mm. maybe as far as I've gone. Mm. So I have think, thought of very, uh, yeah, making garments, uh, you know, particular garments like that look like muscle or skin. But that's as far as it's gone. But so if I was, for instance, asked to to think of a a garment that was to be worn on the stage for a performance, talking about inflation, or which I I have thought about to a certain degree, <laughs> but to work with a um, an engineer, for instance, who was into pneumatics, mm. or a natural scientist who was interested in sea squirts <laughs> <laughs> and we were asked to come up with a whole series of costumes mm. wouldn't that be amazing it'd be really interesting i think you know one of the things that i i do sort of miss here being in an art gallery is at, you know the powerhouse there were curators of science and curators who you know had specializations in biology and all sorts of areas that were completely outside of my my background, my education, and, you know, tapping into the dialogue between those, between, you know, engineering yes. and fashion was something that, you know, the powerhouse is really, you know, going in that direction. And I, I kind of miss that. I kind of miss mm. it, that, that mm. bigger discourse around design and technology mm. and making and, you know, the relationship between, you know, um, you know the Industrial Revolution and fashion is something that I've just obsessed with. Um, and it's, you know, obviously been explored quite a lot in, in, in academia, but not so much in exhibitions. And mm. yeah, yeah, I just find that yeah, really fascinating. Yes, to bring fascinating. it into the present, to mm. bring all that historical reference into yeah. the present and see what, you know, is offered by present day thinking would be very, very exciting. And Rebecca, I can tell you, you are the woman to do it. Ha <laughs> <laughs> I'm really looking forward to, they're doing, oh gosh, I shouldn't be talking about my former workplace. I should be doing lots of plugs <laughs> to my current workplace. But they're doing this um, 3D printing show, which is a collaboration with Museum Art and Design in New York City. Mm. And, um, you know, looking at 3D printing through a whole range of um, sort of outputs, fashion, Fantastic. science, medical science, you know, I find that, that I'm really looking forward to that show. It's very topical. It actually. is very topical. I was just at the airport yesterday looking at books and they had this really fantastic book that was only published this year, I think, that was about current 3D printing across all mm. sorts of different media and uh, very exciting to look at that. It kind of gave me the sense that I, I remember when um, first uh, 
there was a whole lot of imagery coming out of computer or computer generated imagery and I felt like it it just hit the mark of what the software could offer and, and was going no further because I couldn't see the individual voice within the images. I could see what the, the software program could do. Mm. And it was a bit like that when 3D printing first hit the, um, <laughs> hit the scene. Yeah. I thought, yeah, okay. Yeah, I expect it to look a bit space-like and, you know, complex. Um, uh, but I couldn't find the person in there. Yeah. And I guess that's what I look for all the time. Yeah, absolutely. So the handmade, even though it's not handmade, it is. It is. It's computer. Yeah, it's brain made. It, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you still have that relationship with the hand. Yeah. Because when you're designing, you're either using a pen to design or you're using a mouse. So there, it is handmade in, in, in many ways. But you're totally right. Whereas you want to feel that the hand of the designer in it? I guess it? I want to feel like I have a relationship to it myself mm. or if it's meant to be the antithesis of that, I want to feel it. I want to feel it. You know, I don't want to go, oh, that's really badly made, but I can sort of see what they're trying to say. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's so interesting. I'm obsessed with um, Iris van Herpen, the Dutch fashion designer who experiments a lot in 3D printing so good. Mm, I'm obsessed with her at the moment. Work. And talking about contemporary jewellery, Ben Dixon Ward as well from um, mm -hmm. Melbourne. Yeah. I think her work is fantastic. Yes, it and is. And I love, you know, the whole, how she talks about building. And so when she's designing, she's building these blocks. And sometimes you print, and if you haven't designed it correctly, it just all fall apart. Fantastic. And I love, I love <laughs> that, that, you know, the whole idea that 3D printing is devoid of the human hand is a bit ridiculous. Well, I don't know what is devoid of, even metaphorically, um, mm. of human touch or our notion of what touch brings to our understanding of objects or the world around us, everything actually. Um, and, and you can see that in my work, obviously, it's all about that. And every time I do a residency somewhere, uh, you know, even in places that it looks like you walk into a room full of machinery, very complex machinery. There's still somebody guiding that machinery. There's somebody who's designed every mm. part of that. So um, for me, that's, that's, those connections are vital. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. It's so true. It's so true. I guess the way that indus our industries are just so changing so quickly at the moment. Mm. And I just always laugh, you know, when you go to Woolies and use the self-checkout and you still get you know, too much money coming out, not, not enough money, and <laughs> then someone has to come and fix it. And yeah, yeah, yeah there's right. always the human There's always head. people hovering around, yeah, even, yeah, you know, so at true. the airport where you're, when you're trying to check in and the, <laughs> the technology fails. Yeah. Or your own technology fails. Yeah, yeah. There's always somebody there. I wonder if we should actually just home back into the point talking about the show, because... Oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, idea. your show, your practice. Yeah. Um, I guess, you know, it's closing in a couple of weeks and mm. that's gone very quickly. I can't believe it's it. It's nearly three months. So, oh yes, goodness. it's gone extremely quickly. It's been such an amazing experience for me. It feels like it's it's really calmed me in the most innermost parts of me. Really? I just feel so that it's consolidated so many Good. years of practice Good. in my own hometown. <laughs> <laughs> yep, Rebecca's first major project in this institution. Yeah, and my she's goodness. done such an amazing job. <laughs> it wouldn't have been easy. 
Uh, we had a very short deadline. Oh, my goodness. Um, was it the f my first day, 15th of Feb? Yeah. Come into the function room, which is where, you know, all staff come every morning. We talk about what's happening for the week. I've just arrived in this state, just moved <laughs> almost the week, you know, the week before. I sit down and, and Lisa Slade goes, oh, yeah, you're doing a Catherine Truman survey <laughs> for Sala. And I think, oh, oh, my goodness, that's not that long away. Oh, my goodness, Catherine Truman, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Because, you know, for me, being in New South Wales, I knew enough about you to know, you know, the breadth and, you know, extraordinary scary. contribution <laughs> of, of, of your, you know, your practice to, you know, not just making, but, you know, the whole, you know, whole industry through mentoring and the Australia well, Council. you've done an amazing job. And um, I'm always amazed that people know about my practice to the extent they do, and I think it's just because I, the most important thing to me is sitting in my bench making things or standing up, looking at the chaos of my table and trying to make sense of it. Mm. Um, and I think um, there's, there's always a fear, I must admit, oh, I'm missing this on a recording, um, <laughs> that people don't get it, you know, that people don't, that they won't get it, um, that they won't get that everything that I make is connected to everything else. That it's not made in isolation and that it's not, you know, I don't make things and put them in a small box and say that's that kind of work and that's that kind of work. So coming into this situation which was such an amazing uh, opportunity to, um, to display the breadth of my work, obviously we haven't been able to show everything but we've shown an awful lot mm. of my work. Mm. Um, and it's the most wonderful experience to stand in the middle of that room and to turn around slowly 360 degrees and, and cover 30, over 30 years of practice and still feel excited that there's a whole lot more to come. Yeah, I think that sometimes artists can feel nervous about showing their earlier work mm. because they feel closer to and you know, more connected to obviously what they've just done in the last couple of years. So I just, I, I love that there's such a strength, continuity in your practice, although there are these distinct, you know, sort of seasons. And at times you've kind of introduced a new material or a new technique or a completely mm. new idea or residency to kind of, you know, mix things up and, and you know, kind of change the direction a little bit. But there is that strong uh, continuity and that thread and it really comes through in that show I'm just yeah I'm really pleased by that and I love I love those pops of red that's my favorite part <laughs> and I loved it when you were installing with um your partner Sue Lorraine and you both had those orange shoes on <laughs> and you had orange rain jackets because it was all <laughs> cloudy that week and I remember looking up and quite a lot of the work was installed and that, you know, Shunaku ink, that vermilion orangey colour mm. was popping out, you know, off that white wall everywhere. And all I could see was your shoes <laughs> <laughs> and bags and hats and everywhere. It was just, I, I loved it. I loved that kind of connection yeah. right through to it what... It is a bit like a painting. As yeah. you're speaking, I'm remembering what it felt like when I was learning painting in art school and mm. covering a canvas by daubing it all over the canvas, you know, putting a colour that related all the way through across mm. uh, the, the space of the work. And, um, yeah, when I do think of the Gallery 9, I do think of those daubs of red 
all over the place and <laughs> that, that kind of that's the life for me that's the lifeblood of the work I'm just about to get some new eyeglasses the same color really <laughs> Yes. Fantastic, fantastic. It is like, because it's that fleshiness, like that beating heart, isn't it? That's what it feels like it to totally me. Is. Yeah, it totally is. Yeah, pulsing through. It's so alive, that colour. And at the moment, I'm, um, I have um, my work table in the studio is covered in such a vibrant red-orange. Um, I'm making some work for Gallery Rao because they're turning 40 any minute. Really? And an exhibition also that... I think I saw um, something in my inbox about yeah, that. Yeah, their 40-year show. I think that's Gosh. in October. And then just after that, um, December the 17th, um, Sue Lorraine, myself, Jess Dare and Kath Inglis are showing together in Gallery Ra, which is so exciting. I wish I, wish I could go to that. <laughs> Maybe I might have to book a ticket to Amsterdam. Yeah. Gosh, yeah. Uh, such a great place. And Paul's very open and very encouraging. And um, so it's basically Sue and I introducing uh, Jess and Kath to, to the world, really, or to, to Gallery Ra, through Gallery Ra. But um, I'm making... Nasturtium leaves, would you believe? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> I thought, I, I just want to actually start from a different premise. I really want to free up because mm. I've been doing so much administration mm. with the, the book and the, oh, the exhibition over the The images for the book, that alone and the design. Huge amount of work, huge amount of work. Cataloging your entire archive. <laughs> That's right. My goodness, there's a lot I of admin. I just wanted to free my brain Yeah. Up. I wanted to colour in, actually. I wanted to... I wanted to do something that was completely about joy and pleasure mm. and colour. And, and that colour, um, I looked up 40 years, the symbolism of 40 years, a ruby, it's the stone, and okay. a plant or a flower is nasturtium. So, and I just, um, I thought, I'm going to put them together somehow. What am I going to do? And uh, automatically I just started playing with some different materials and... Um, and now I have a table full of something that you can hardly look at. It's so bright. That's it's so great. <laughs> covered in these amazing nasturtium leaves that go from a slightly oversized down to small because the exhibition's called Up Close and Far Away. So I wanted that stretch of um, scale mm. uh, with, uh, and to, to introduce the notion of distance and scale. And um, it's going to be pretty wild. <laughs> I did at one point semi-contemplate painting Gallery 9, that red colour. Mm. I did think about that. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I like, you know, the wonderful thing about South Australia, for me, I feel that I can push the audiences further than what I could in New South Wales. Uh -huh. oh, this is being recorded. You can. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I keep forgetting that. I, I, I just think that you know, the history of the Fringe Festival here, mm. you know, how, how many years is that? 40 plus years about oh, then? I is this 70s I don't actually thing? know. It's about but, the 70s. But I, I just know that my mother was a, um, a devotee of the Adelaide Festival mm. from the time I can remember. Yeah. And, and of course, I became that too. And the arts have been embedded in my life all that time. And, you know, I've seen some most incredible acts from all really around the world. Really avant-garde that come sort Really of, yeah. challenging yeah. works, installation um, works, uh, performance artists, contemporary dance, which is, you know, close to my heart. Mm. And, um, and then I, when I started travelling in my late 20s into my 30s and 40s and 50s, 
<laughs> soon to be 60s, um, I realised that some of the, the, the top acts, the most amazing works um, that I ca encountered overseas, I'd already seen in Adelaide. Well, growing I, isn't up. that the whole premise is to bring the best, yes. you know, of yes. Australia, best of the world to Adelaide for people to experience? Yes, I, got, I, have, I have this feeling that because of that history, our audiences, you know, are up for a little bit more of a challenge. I think so. So I'm, I'm excited to, to push them a little bit further. Good. I, just in the way that we do, you know, especially for me working with objects, how, how do I get people to interact and experience them mm. in mm. different ways? Mm. So maybe this is a warning. <laughs> I'm warning everyone. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, well, no. I'll be, I'll be I'm fascinated just because it's not an easy thing to contemplate mm. from a curator's point of view embedded in a state institution in particular, so I'm glad you're thinking about that. And that notion of also you're in... It's, it's difficult from your side as a curator, but it's also difficult to, um, to, for the audience to break that, that boundary of permission mm you know, stepping over the line a bit, which yeah. is what you're inviting. Yeah, ooh, maybe, <laughs> <laughs> maybe I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know. Well, I think that it's, it's interesting. It's interesting from a virtual point of view when the audience is experiencing uh, an environment and objects in a virtual world and that they believe they can enter that world and they can believe they can actually touch that world, mm. but in fact they can't. Yeah, no, it's kind of, I, I, you know, that wonderful Otto Kunzli exhibition. You know, I'm obsessed with with the latest book that came out was a couple of years ago mm. of the way that they displayed. I mean, this is showcase, but the showcases were on the floor. Yeah. And that, you know, playing with scale and, you know, getting people to have different sort of physical experiences mm. while looking at objects. I think that's really fascinating. I think it is true. So I'd love to do something like that as well or I don't know. Well, well, I think you will. Yeah, you think I will? <laughs> I think you will. Oh, I'm sure I will now. I've said <laughs> it out there. Um, I don't know. I guess we've talked for a while. And maybe, I don't know if this is a corny question, but I don't know, maybe, w what are you excited for? Uh, you know, right now? Right now, yeah. Because the show's about to end. The mm. book's out. So these two very... It's been an amazing Very big pieces of the work are done. You know, I guess making is, part, you know, what you said before, but... Yeah, I'm right in, in, in the middle of making and, uh, and even being taken away a few days to Melbourne in the last few days, I've largely thought about getting back and making again. So that that's definitely large and looming. But um, the next big thing, apart from Amsterdam, and also I'm going to Bangkok in the next few months, we're mm. taking a... Grey Street 30-year show to at a, at a gallery. Um, apart from those things, um, my next big thing is to consolidate all my art science projects and build on that because I'm also doing a residency in the ophthalmology department at Flinders University, which will be ongoing. But I'm just beginning to get into that more. I've been mm. watching eye operations mm. and talking to people who take photographs of the insides of eyes and... Um, looking at uh, research into, in terms of vision and the connection between the brain and the eye. Those, that new um, exciting exposure to that area of practice within a university and uh, biomedical research will inform the new work that I do that will be uh, included in the 
Jam Factory show in the middle of next year, uh, July next year. So is that their icon series? That's part of their icon series. How do you feel about that, being called an icon? Uh, a bit strange. I wish they would change the really? name of the show. It's really loaded, isn't it? It's, it's very loaded. It's incredibly loaded. Um, so but I completely completely appropriate for, you know, the series yes, that they've I had, I think. I just don't feel like one of those gilded icons. <laughs> I, I don't. I just feel... It feels it, it um, anchors t too much uh, me in the past, and not that I don't. I don't want to disregard the past. I like to bring it with me, but um, there's so much exciting to look forward to in the future. Absolutely, um, of, of new ways of thinking and or, or uncovering old ways of thinking in new ways. Yeah, yeah. Um, that this show uh, is really exciting. I mean, it was. You and I know that that it was a kind of. Um, I thought this out, you know, showing my carving work, my mm. work that really talks about my relationship to carving and anatomy and the body, um, to show it in the Art Gallery of South Australia, um, and then show my art science projects, which are much more collaborative um, works and include film and images and all, in the Jam Factory, mm, mm. because they're... Flipping you know, it. They flip the, the expectation. Yeah, I love that. I think that's really cool. Mm. Mm. So that's what's exciting me now. Yeah, fantastic. I would like a bit of a holiday. But yeah, no, <laughs> I think you very <laughs> much Sometimes work's one. a holiday for me. Absolutely. Well, I'm excited. I'm going to ask myself that question. I'm excited because I get to live in this great state. And, you know, Nick, you know, brought me on for a number of reasons. But one of them was that commitment to collecting contemporary jewellery. And I'm excited I get to buy great pieces. Mm, the and we welcome that very much. Oh, of course you would. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. It's a living. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but yeah, so my first acquisition was Kath Inglis. And I, I just, you know, it's one of those things that I'd like to, you know, have a really good rationale behind. But I just knew it was the right thing to do in my, in my gut. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. And I can, you know, intellectualise why she's a great maker and a great jeweller. But, yeah, I just feel like it was right. It was just... And that's why I think you're <laughs> the perfect person for this job. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, anyway. It's I, I mean, I've watched you relax into the job. <laughs> and I don't mean relax by just, you know, slumping in a chair. She is running <laughs> non-stop in this job. Um, but you've, um, you've kind of already part of South Australia, you're already part of Adelaide, you're already in the life of, of Adelaide and you already understand a little bit of how Adelaide works, which is, you know, it's it's not an easy place always to no, live. No, no. It's a place it's I've like always a, a chosen country to. town, you know, you do yeah. feel... I mean, Sydney's so a transient. It's like a very sophisticated country. It's a very... <laughs> I, I, I would prefer to it as genteel. I think that's yeah. a good way to describe Adelaide. It's, it's a very genteel place. But because it is like that oversized country town, you do need kind of an introduction into society. Mm, if yeah. you like that tradition of, of being introduced. And so it, it's not perhaps as easy as a big city where you're used to people coming and going. So there's no, just always you have to work on it, don't you? You have to work on it a little bit harder. Um, and you have been working on it <laughs> really hard, I but in a lovely, oh, graceful you. way. I think it's good that <laughs> Sala's almost over because people will be sick of me opening exhibitions. <laughs> <laughs> well, here she is again. <laughs> <laughs> but you're doing a really lovely job. Um, 
And I'm going to talk very candidly here. Oh, great. Because uh, before Rebecca even arrived in Adelaide, I asked, I remember I emailed you and I said, I feel a bit cheeky, but would you open the Grace <laughs> <Street> show? <laughs> and she did a really great job. And uh, just recently, I've just um, heard you again open another exhibition, uh, which was Kath Inglis's work. And, God, you nailed it. I really think you nailed it in a very personal way because you've had time to really kind of, you know, understand Kath's work, to meet with Kath, to talk about her process. Mm. And that came out in your speech and it was really... That's what we need. That's, that's a really... It gives people who don't understand the work an immediate personal insight mm, mm. from a lot of different directions. So, congratulations. Uh, I meant to be congratulating you. <laughs> <laughs> right, well, mutual congratulations. Yes. And thank you for coming in. And um, so great that we can just have this chat, have this podcast, in light of the fact that we didn't get it recorded on that first Friday. And yes, we it's hope it's a shame we didn't do yeah, that. But this has been lovely. It's been lovely. And I hope that this kind of giving people an insight into how we worked, how we've worked together for this exhibition, a little bit about your practice and your involvement in the industry and a yeah, a bit I about the gallery. We've covered a, a, we've covered a lot. Yeah, which one thing I'd like to mention though is. Oh, you're not going to go into politics? No, I'm not going to. Okay, we good. We have talked about feminism. We have talked a lot about feminism, yes. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. <laughs> we both. But, um, <laughs> I'm not going to talk about that just now. But it's just the experience of the book. I must give the book a plug because um, this is came along with the um, Sala Festival. And uh, it was just so wonderful to um, be awarded a monograph um, through Wakefield Press. And uh, Melinda Rackham is the writer and we had Andre Lawrence as our mentee. But it was an amazing experience. And um, the experience is now up to the audience. It's, I'm yeah. giving it over to the audience. Yeah, and um, I really hope you enjoy the book. It's... For me, it's just like a huge milestone. It's mm. biggest publication mm. at Wakefield. It's very done chunky in the publication, <laughs> but you know, I should say, buy the book because you know it's about a living South Australian artist, written by a South Australian, designed, designed by a South Australian, designed Rachel by a South Harris Australian, and so really supporting such a freshness to the book. yeah, the you know the whole community, and I think it's really important to support our locals and yeah, final yeah. little plug. Buy it. <laughs> but also, you've got two weeks to come see the exhibition. Oh, please come <laughs> and see the show because it's not going to be like this ever again, I don't think. it's This is a one-off. It's not touring. So I'd love you to come and experience the work. All right. Thank you all.